0: That you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I really do consider it a pleasure and a privilege to be able to talk to you. I want to go to the book of Isaiah and read the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 61. It is a beautiful messianic prophecy. And it reads as follows. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Who and what this passage had reference to is forever answered by the Lord very early in his public ministry. In Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21, the passage says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What had been written about 740 years before this time, Jesus said, was now being fulfilled. He was the very one upon whom the Holy Spirit resided without measure. The one whom Peter said in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 God had anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. With the divine appointment and power, he was the one who would preach the good news, the gospel of victory and deliverance to the meek. He was the one who would bind up the brokenhearted, meaning he would provide relief for those whose inner life had been crushed by sin. He was the one who would proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who were bound. But it was liberty and freedom from sin Look at what would be given to those who responded to that preaching. There would be beauty in the place of ashes of mourning, symbolically sprinkled upon their heads because of their sorrow for their sins. My friends, faithful Christians are the ones under discussion. There would be joy for mourning and praise instead of heaviness. Faithful Christians would be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord with one purpose, glorify God isn't that a beautiful picture now out of that picture there is one phrase that I want us to pay particularly close attention to and that is oaks of righteousness that phrase is being used to describe those who are faithful followers of the Lord now maybe you don't generally think of being referred to as a tree or an oak as necessarily being complimentary but that is what it is here and rightfully so As a matter of fact, as we examine it this episode, we will see that there is a great deal to be drawn from this comparison to trees or oaks. I'm going to mention three similarities, and by the time this episode is over, you may very well have thought of a few more yourselves. I don't think these similarities are going to give us any new insights into the field of forestry, but they will help us in understanding how God views our relationship with the Lord. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think about trees and oaks in particular is the fact that they grow. When I was a kid going to elementary school at St. John's the Evangelist, every year when Arbor Day came around, we would each get a sapling to take home and plant. Usually, my sapling would last until the next time my dad cut the grass. But one of them made it, and I found myself years later when I would visit home and cut the grass to help Mom that I was cutting around that tree trunk. When I was raking leaves, I was raking leaves from that sapling that I had planted some 40 years ago. I was amazed at what that little sapling grew to be. I believe perhaps that is one of the reasons that Jesus showed such an affinity for little children during his ministry, because they were as yet unspoiled by the world and each one had the potential to become great in the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't want any of us to remain children, physically or spiritually. We are encouraged to remain children in malice, but not in understanding of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 through 14 tells us, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We are commanded to grow. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Failure to grow is just failure, period. The sapling that remains a sapling is eventually just rooted up or cut down. Any sapling that is not rooted up or cut down and still fails to grow just dies. And it is the same way in the spiritual realm. The interesting thing about it is that we cannot just grow to a certain point and then stop in our growth. Once we stop growing, we will not just stay at the same point, we will go backward. I think of the Apostle Paul, who, even in prison, wrote about his continued growth. This is Paul, and I just marvel at what he said. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, Paul wrote these words, In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. So important is this matter of growth that the Apostle Paul made it a central part of the work of the Church to provide for such growth for its members. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, we find, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of christ as a result we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming by speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even christ growth is the process that must never stop if we are truly going to be the oaks of righteousness. The second parallel that I can find between trees and the followers of the Lord is that both must have roots. The roots of a tree make it impossible for the tree to move on its own and make it very difficult for someone else to move it. There is a sense of permanence in laying down roots. We even use that as an expression. Oftentimes people will speak of wanting to put down roots, meaning to settle down somewhere. We speak of getting back to our roots, which is the idea of where we came from, where we grew up. There is a permanence with us as children of God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, and verse 62, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. We simply must put down our spiritual roots and stay put, growing from that point upward. Jesus brought the Sermon on the Mount to a close in Matthew 7, by comparing the individual who hears the words of the Lord and does them to a man who builds his house on a rock. His point was the idea of a solid foundation, much like roots that are deeply embedded in the earth. When the trials of life come, there is a permanence there. That house is going to stand. It will not be blown away. When I've gone walking in the cliffs of Boone County, I see trees that I know must be hundreds of years old, but there they are. They have been there through massive thunderstorms, ice storms, snowstorms, and droughts. They have been on the cusp of tornadoes, and many of them have had so-and-so, love so-and-so carved into them with little hearts and arrows. But they have roots that go down deep, and they are still there. Look with me at Luke 8 in the parable of the sower. In verses five through eight, Jesus began with these words. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the, uh, beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil, and grew up, and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Skip on down to verse 11 and we'll look at the Lord's explanation. He said, Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while and in times of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on in their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with permanence. The idea is that we have to put down roots something that will hold us in the Lord when the rough times come. That was the problem with the rocky ground in the parable. The seed might spring up right away, but there's nothing to hold it, no real faith, no real foundation. We have to be rooted in something that cannot be taken away from us. So look with me at Colossians 2, 6 and 7 where Paul wrote, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That is where we are to place our roots, in Christ Jesus. That means that we put our trust in him, cleave to him, hold to him by hearing, believing, and obeying his commands. That is the type of faith that cannot be shaken if we are determined to hold on to it no matter what. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a beautiful statement made by Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. He wrote, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. The same beautiful idea is expressed in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, where David wrote, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither, And in whatever he does, he prospers. You see, frequently children of God are compared to trees, and especially the idea of the roots being firm and well-established, nourished with all the nutriments they need. There is a final observation that I want to make, a third parallel concerning trees and Christians, and it is simply this. Trees produce fruit if they are fruit trees, leaves if they are not. And in our analogy, an oak tree of righteousness or a tree of righteousness is just decidedly a tree meant to bear fruit. Our Lord clearly taught that those who would abide in him have an obligation to produce fruit, to be beneficial. In John 15 verses 1 and 5, Jesus said, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bear fruit, he prunes it, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In an orchard, the trees that do not bear fruit are cut down. Indeed, in the parable of the fig tree in Luke 13, Jesus concluded it by saying in verse 9, And if it bears fruit next year, fine, but if not, cut it down. We were not saved by the blood of Christ in order to sit and await his return. We were saved by the blood of Christ in order that we might work. I think of a statement made in Hebrews 13 verses 15 and 16, where the Hebrew writer wrote, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Our labor in the Lord is part of our sacrifice to him, and we must not neglect it. Now, we don't produce this fruit on our own, but it is by the word of God working in us that I bring it forth. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 5 and 6, Paul wrote the following, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also, since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Without God we will not bring forth fruit. With God, because we allow him to guide our lives, we will bring forth fruit. My friends, this fruit that I'm talking about is not just a matter of converts, although that certainly is part of it. It is also a matter of the kind of life that we lead, the kind of people that we will be. Paul in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 25 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit, which is indeed part of the fruit that we must produce as oaks of righteousness. Or trees of righteousness. He wrote, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Peter made essentially the same point in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. When he wrote now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oaks of righteousness, or trees of righteousness. That is how God describes his faithful children, growing until the day we die, firmly rooted in the Lord Jesus, led by the Spirit through the Word to produce fruit. What a beautiful illustration to describe the individuals who are faithful servants of the Lord. Trees of righteousness, Oaks of Righteousness. Thanks for listening.